Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Well, the coffee is hot and the cinnamon rolls are just coming out of the oven. Mm-mm. Hi, I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're here at the Catholic Cafe, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of that Catholic Cafe. Tom, how you doing? It smells good, doesn't it? It does smell good. I'm ready to have a cinnamon roll. Put some hot butter on it. Oh, man. Well, it's got all that icing. I like we're, the icing. We're getting wound up here. We need to, <laughs> I understand. We need to change the subject. <laughs> we are going to change the subject, and we have a great subject to talk about today. I can't wait. We're going to talk about a new priest... I say new. Very exciting. And we're just going to talk about his story. I'd love to hear it. Who we have is Father Kevin Stockbridge. Father Kevin, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So what we want to do is we want to let people who are listening kind of know where you came from and how you became a priest. Uh, how old did you say you were? 29? 29. 29 years old. So you're a young man. You're a new priest. How long have you been ordained? Six months now. Six months. Mm -hmm. And so you're still a priest, right? And the bishop still likes you and everything, right? (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Well, what's not to like? Father Kevin's a great guy. Exactly. So um, tell us a little bit. How did you get to where you are today? I know it probably had to... uh, uh, You were were probably born and and your mom said, oh, look, it's our little priest. Uh, I don't know if that was the case or not, but tell us a little bit about your, 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 your start. How you got to where you are today? Okay. Well, I grew up... I was born in Mississippi on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi in Gulfport. And that's kind of important because in Gulfport, all of the nuns and all of the priests that I ever knew as a kid, they were all Irish. They all had Irish brogues and Irish accents. Oh, saints be praised. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I thought as a small child that every priest and every nun was Irish. And if God wanted you to be a priest or a nun, he'd make you Irish. <laughs> there you have it. So I had no discernment as a small child because I wasn't Irish. I had the name Kevin, and that was about it. That was as Irish as I got. That's great. And I didn't really think about anything about vocations, um, at least priestly or religious vocations, until I was in sixth grade. That's really how the Was story there anybody starts. in your family that, was, uh, that, that had a vocation? Nope. My uh, my family, the Stockbridges, at least that side of my family, has been in the United States since 1628, and there's never been a priest hmm. in the family and never been a sister that I know of. Wow. How about mm-hmm. that? So not until like the sixth or seventh grade, you're saying? And then, and then what were you thinking at that point? Well, in sixth grade, I had a sister who taught me. Her name was Sister John Dominic. She's now a, a sister of Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. And they're up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And at the time, she was my teacher. And she had this practice that at the beginning of the week, one of the students would be able to come and bring their own crucifix. And it would be placed on the wall. And it was a big thing. And so my week came. And I had, had my crucifix that my grandmother had given me for First Communion. And I brought it in and I placed it in sister's hands. And she placed it on the wall. And we were praying that, that whole week towards the, uh, towards the crucifix. And when Friday came, it was the end of the day, and she took down the crucifix, and she was handing it back to me. She said, thank you very much. And then she said, have you ever thought about being a priest? Well, like I said, I hadn't because I wasn't Irish. And I thought, well, this sister is not Irish, and the priest who's at our school 
is not Irish either. And so it just kind of stuck. I said, no. And so she said, would you think about it? And I said, I'll think about it. That's a simple question. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's that simple asking that that God can use that in such a wonderful way. Mm -hmm. That's right. uh, To to open up your eyes to something just from a simple question. It's the invitation of the Lord. He can use our own voices to speak his word. So that's how it started. So all through seventh grade and eighth grade, it just stuck in my head. It kind of like lodged into my heart, I guess I might say. And uh, I went into high school. And my freshman year in high school was all about learning to be a high schooler. I think it was kind of typical. And I dated on and off throughout high school. Uh, When I was a sophomore, my family was moved. We moved from Tennessee to uh, Houston, Texas. And at that time, uh, my life, as I think many teenagers' lives are, was defined by the friends that I had around me. Sure. And I left all of my friends and was in a place where I had no friends, nobody. That's a tough thing for a person in high school, uh, at high school age especially, yeah. uh, because uh, you know you know about the high school myth where everything that mm-hmm. happens to you in high school is the most important thing that will mm-hmm. ever happen to you in your entire life. And so you're all wrapped up with your friends and, mm-hmm. and, and what you're doing, what clubs you're in, what groups you're hanging around with. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that was probably a pretty tough thing. It was. It was very difficult. And I found myself, and my family had everything that I thought that I would want to be happy, and I found myself in Houston, Texas, just completely miserable. And one day, one day, I found myself praying. I think it, I call it the first prayer I actually said. Now, I grew up Catholic, and we went to Mass, but it's the first one I came from my, uh, from my heart. And I was in the library of our house, and I looked up to the ceiling, and I just called out, Why, God, did you do this to me? Why did you take me away from all of my friends to this miserable place where I know nobody? All I have is my family and you. And God said to me, interiorly, but like a voice, I know that's what I wanted to do. So I didn't pray again for another about six months because I didn't (laughs) like the answer that I heard. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, said that God answers all prayers. Sometimes we don't like the answer. He answered, and I didn't like what I heard. Uh, So that time in my my life, I was very depressed, very, very sad, and not really turning to any kind of spiritual prayer. As I said, I didn't literally, I don't think, pray for that whole six months. Um, but you didn't stop being Catholic. I mean, you still right. went to Mass and you still right. did things that, that you'd always done as a Catholic. That's right. I was praying. I was doing the things I need to do. I don't think my heart was in it. Yeah, you were in the status quo. Exactly. You did what you had to do. You've, mm-hmm. you've, you were checking off that list, but you uh, weren't adding anything of, uh, of Kevin's. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so my cousin calls me up from Mississippi, from the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, and says, do you want to go on a retreat? Now, I wasn't in the kind of spiritual place where I would probably say yes, but the Holy Spirit did something to me, and I said, okay, maybe because I just thought I had nothing better to do. This is over Christmas break. So I go over, and we go to this retreat. The first night, I'm with a whole bunch of teenagers in there, you know, my age, and we're singing, and my cousin has a sit in the very first row, Obviously not a Catholic then, because sitting in the front row. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, So everybody's praying and singing. They're talking about God. And we get moved into these these groups where we're talking about what had happened that first night. 
And everybody is excited about what the Holy Spirit's going to do for them and what what they're going to experience from the Lord. And I wasn't. I was very nervous because these people were so energetic with their faith. And I just had never seen that before. So I went to bed that night and I did the one thing that I knew that was actually Catholic that I could do on my own. And that was pray the rosary. So I took a rosary out of my pocket, which I kept uh, in my pocket because sister had told me, always keep a rosary in your pocket. That's right. And I prayed that night, very scared to Mary, just to help me out for the next two days so that I could make it out alive on the other side of this (laughs) retreat. (laughs) And I woke up the next day completely different. I woke up the next day excited about what the Lord was going to do in my life and excited about the Saturday where I would actually see our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And that Saturday night, when I was praying in adoration... I just encountered anew the Lord who loved me. I realized that in the Eucharist was not just not just a symbol, but actually a person who waits for me in the tabernacle to speak to me, who had a plan for me, and who wanted me to embrace that. And that completely changed my life. I went back after that retreat, and I started to go to daily Mass. I went back after that retreat, and every Saturday, I would go out and buy a dozen flowers, roses or so, and bring them to the Statue of Mary and put them at her feet. And you're in in high school. This is sophomore year in high school. Wow. Now, did your family see this change in you? Did Did they recognize what was going on, or did you have a discussion with them about that? I didn't discuss with them about that. They saw some change happening suddenly. Suddenly, Kevin's going to to Mass, to daily Mass, and he's stopping by the church before he comes home, uh, or he's walking over to the church with, you know, flowers. Mm -hmm. This is a real sense where you really felt like God was here now with you versus some distant God that had set some great watch in motion or whatever Mm -hmm. and then stepped back. And that's so key for vocation because we don't become a priest. We don't accept a religious vocation. For a God who's way out in the distance, we become a priest or a sister, a monk, a brother. For love of a God who is intimately close to us and who longs to be intimately close with everyone who comes into our lives. Well, that's wonderful. Well, we have more to talk about Father Kevin Strockbridge's uh, uh, journey to the priesthood. Uh, We're going to do that when we get right back. But I do want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. On that website, you're going to find lots of wonderful Catholic resources. And you'll find all of these shows, every show we've ever recorded, uh, plus this show will also be there available for you. You can also sign up for one-click podcasting if you if you want to do that. Also, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love you to uh, email me uh, at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so, come back and see us in just a moment. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. On June 19, 2009, on the Solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, Pope Benedict XVI declared a year for priests. He encouraged all of the faithful to pray for an interior renewal and deeper commitment to the vocation of priesthood. 
in a special letter to priests of the world, he exhorted them to strive to be one with the Lord in their thoughts and their wills, their sentiments and their style of life. In a special way, he encouraged priests to emulate St. John Marie Vianney, the curé of ours, the patron saint of parish priests. Pope Benedict called us to recognize the great gift that priests are to the faithful of the church. He quoted St. John Vianney as saying, A good shepherd, a pastor after God's heart, is the greatest treasure which the good Lord can grant to a parish, and one of the most precious gifts of divine mercy. The Holy Father reminds us that in today's world, as in the troubled times of the Curé of ours, the lives and activity of priests need to be distinguished by a determined witness to the gospel. He challenged today's priest to be pervaded by the Word of God. Pope Benedict wrote, Just as Jesus called the twelve to be with him, and only later sent them forth to preach, so too in our days priests are called to assimilate that new style of life which was inaugurated by the Lord Jesus and taken up by the apostles. In the words of Pope Benedict, the ministry of the priesthood is a complete commitment to this new style of life. As a curé of ours lived a life completely consumed by the gospel's call, so too are priests of all generations supposed to call the faithful deeper into the heart of the Redeemer. At the same time, priests are to bring themselves to a deeper conversion of heart and a clear oneness with the sacrifice of the cross. Benedict XVI entrusted all priests to the loving care of the Blessed Mother during the year of the priests. He wrote, I asked her to awaken in the heart of every priest a generous and renewed commitment to the ideal of complete self-oblation to Christ in the Church which inspired the thoughts and actions of the saintly curé of ours. Let us all pray for those priests close to home in our parishes and those serving in far-off places. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back once again at the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and Tom is here with me, and we're sitting here with Father Kevin Stockbridge. And Father Kevin, you're sharing with us your story about becoming a priest. And one of the reasons we like to do this is because we just want other folks to kind of know where our priests are coming from. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we find out they're coming from an ordinary home. Mm-hmm. You know, an ordinary situation. I don't know that there was any great tragedies in your life that caused you to launch yourself into the priesthood or, or whatever. And, and there wasn't necessarily a uh, bolt of lightning that came from the sky and struck you and said, you will be a priest. And so I think right. that uh, it's, it's encouraging to hear this story. So I want you to continue on. You're, you're in high school now and you're getting pretty serious about your devotion to the Blessed Mother, to the church and going to daily mass. Mm-hmm. And we were talking a little bit about your parents what kind of effect did your parents have on your vocation, do you think? At this time, my parents were, they were always supportive. They were very supportive of all the different things that I did. And I think that was very important. Although we, didn't, we did not have specific conversations about my feeling of called to the priesthood, I don't think that we ever just sat down and talked about it, at least not at this point, uh, during my discernment and during my growth in the Lord. But... We were going to Mass every Sunday. 
My mother was praying constantly for uh, for me, my sister, my father as well, praying constantly. Now that's something I found out later. I didn't right. know it while it was going on. And that's a lesson for parents today. And people think that, well, if I pray for my kids, do I have to tell them? Is it this prayer is for you versus just praying from the heart That's right. for the well-being of your children, that they're going to be open to God's call, whatever that might be. And we just don't sometimes don't realize until after the fact how effective those prayers are. Absolutely. And the sacrifices, the things that children see are the sacrifices that you make on their behalf. They may not appreciate them at the time, but it's the lessons of giving of self. And that's another part of what my parents gave to me that I'm able to bring into my priesthood, always knowing that they were doing what was best for us, doing what was best for the family. And that was an unspoken lesson that led me to want to serve others as well, lay down my life in service. So here you are in high school still, uh, and you're taking roses to the Blessed Mother, and you're and you're going to daily mass. What what kicked it up to the next level? How did how did we get beyond that? Well, I get to come back home to Memphis. I consider this home. We moved back to Memphis the next year. This is my junior year in high school, and. In my junior year and senior year in high school, my cousin, from who had invited me to the retreat, ended up coming and living with us, and the two of us started a praise and worship holy hour for high school youth over at my home parish. So I have to ask you, how, how knowledgeable were you at the time of, of the, the theological side of things? Were you... Uh, it sounds like you were a good Catholic. What people call themselves a good Catholic, you go to Mass, you, you, know, you understand that there's this uh, a lovely relationship we can have with the Blessed Mother. But in terms of theology, where all that came from, were you educated at all in that, in that regard? Well, I had the very good education that I got from the sisters. I had a couple of sisters, and I, I learned a lot from them. Um, well, we know a lot of people are there, but not necessarily uh, receiving all exactly. that information, <laughs> not processing exactly. it all. So you were. So you were paying attention in school. I was, but I didn't know a whole lot. Love leads us to want to know because we want to know the one that we love. And the more that we know the person that we love, the more that we love them. So, therefore, as I started to love God, I started to want to know more about him. I started to want to read the catechism get a copy of it. I wanted to find people who could teach me things that I didn't understand yet. And throughout high school, it was about finding knowledgeable people that I would talk to, priests, teachers, uh, other people around me who could teach me about the faith. I was just baby steps, baby steps, uh, learning about the faith. Very good. So we were talking about starting a praise and worship, holy hour. How did that go? That went very well. Um, We started it. In the parish, and the priest at first said, "Now, don't don't be discouraged if no one comes." <laughs> <laughs> and the first the first six months were hard, in that we were hoping that everybody would be there because we had such a love for Jesus Christ and the Blessed Sacrament, and we thought every teenager wants this, which I still believe every every teenager, every person wants this. They just may not know it. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So it grew and grew, and we. We prayed a lot as the as people who would lead people in praise and worship. And at the end of my senior year, while it was growing, uh, I decided to go to college at Franciscan University of Steubenville. 
because they had a program called the Pre-Theologate Program for those who were interested in becoming priests uh, but weren't connected to any particular diocese or religious community at the time who were just discerning. Right. So uh, as I started my first years at Franciscan University, the praise and worship just boomed. Uh, and I think at some times they had 300 or more from all sorts of different parishes coming to pray. That's incredible. That is. And, and that is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been to a, a praise and worship uh, experience that really you can tell if the Holy Spirit is there and alive, you really get a lot out of that. Absolutely. And so this is – and obviously the fact that this had grown to that point was really an affirmation but also a blessing. Mm-hmm. For you, because you were as much as you were probably participating in helping to pass on that Holy Spirit to everyone there, you were receiving just as much, if not more. Oh, absolutely, yes, uh, quite a lesson. And as as I saw it growing so much more while I was away at college, you know, I would find myself praying on the same night that in Memphis they were praying for all those that hearts would be touched and people would come to know and love Jesus Christ. And uh, just knowing that I was receiving so much from the Lord when I was there, receiving so much from the Lord, just praying, being physically distant from them. Very good. Very good. Beautiful. So now you've gone to uh, Franciscan University at Steubenville, right? You're That's in this program. Mm-hmm. Where does it go from there? Well, for four years, I was studying theology and philosophy learning a whole lot more about God, about the world, about truth. And now, isn't it amazing, though, this is this has happened to me, where you get a sense that something is right or correct or orthodox, mm-hmm. a right teaching, if you will. But then when you start to see all these parts and pieces and you start realizing that, okay, we love Mary, but did you know you know, all the Catholic theology behind Mary and where all the scriptural references to Mary uh, and all these different things when they all come together. Man, light bulbs go on when you see the connectivity. It is, and it's so beautiful. It's all one big piece. Right. It's it's a great thing. That's why we keep on studying and studying and studying. Did you have a really strong sense of your calling at this point? Did you really sense at this point that this is what you were being called to? I did. It was very strong by the time I was in, I was in college. And I spent four years thinking... This is, this is what I'm going to do. And searching for a particular place where I would go. I knew that uh, the Lord was calling me to be a priest, and I wanted to be a religious priest. Uh, I wanted to maybe even be a priest in some diocese that was further away. But the one thing that I was sure of is that I was not going to be a priest in Memphis I was absolutely sure of that. Tom, how many times have we heard right. these stories where people, the, the things that they're sure that they're not oh, going yeah. to do? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's God's way of <laughs> yeah. telling you that it's not about you, it's about him. Well, when, now, why did you not want to be in the Memphis Diocese, though? Well, I felt like I knew everything about Memphis, and I wanted something exciting and new and different. Okay. And I wanted to go to a place where people didn't know me, where I could minister without history, in a sense. Not right. that I had bad history. Right. Just, I guess, the excitement of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus tells us, the, you know, that a prophet wouldn't be accepted in his own hometown, right? So you probably thought, that's a strike against me right there if I'm telling people what a, you know, what a life with, with the Lord is like. And they're going, well, I knew you when. Exactly. I knew you were a little kid. So when I finished college, mm-hmm. I taught 7th and 8th grade for two years because I, I didn't find any religious community or any other place where I actually felt that the Lord was calling me. And so for those two years, I turned to the Lord and I said, maybe I was wrong all this time. Maybe I'm not called to be a priest. 
and I've just I've been following my own desires instead of your desires. So I'm going to teach because that's what I know I can do. And I loved teaching. And there I learned that I could be and wanted to be a father. And the fatherhood within my heart, for God has made every man to be a father, right. continued to grow. And while I wasn't paying attention to, I was still praying, but while I wasn't paying attention to vocation, God was changing my heart. My second year of teaching, I came over the bridge from Arkansas into Memphis, and I was looking at the skyline of Memphis. And although I had just been laughing, tears started falling from my eyes. And I looked down at the buildings, and I knew that my heart would not be happy unless I laid down my life for these people and this place, that God had made my heart for this place. And so for my birthday that year, I called the vocation director and said, I'd like to be a seminarian for the Diocese of Memphis. Went to seminarian. Here I am. What a beautiful story. What an awesome story. And you know what? We're we're so happy that you answered that call, that you were willing to do that. So how many people uh, maybe don't open their hearts to that, Mm -hmm. right, who are receiving a call, you know, and they got their phone on mute, you know, and they're and they're exactly. not and they're not paying attention. What about those people out there now that might be listening or wondering? Maybe God's calling me. What What do they do? Where do they go from here? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing to do is run to Mary. Run to Mary in prayer, and she is going to lead us to say yes to the Lord in the way that we we should be saying yes. So pray the Rosary, I would say, and then run to our Lord. Obviously, Mary's going to lead you there anyway. That's right. But go to him, especially in adoration, quietly praying and opening your heart. It says in the scriptures that God will give us our heart's desires, not the desire. He will literally give us the desires that we need within our hearts. And so be patient and wait and listen. And when God leads, follow. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Father Kevin Stockbridge, thank you so much for sharing your journey to the priesthood. We hope that's uh, uh, it's inspired me and Tom. Oh, you yeah. look inspired there. Oh, yeah. uh, or is that perspiration? I'm not sure no, what that I'm is. Inspired. You're nervous. I'm inspired. Um, and it was beautiful. And I'm sure that uh, hopefully that, that folks at home are listening might be a little inspired as well. So thank you so much for the opportunity to, to hear your story. Thank you very much. Very good. Tom, you want to rate this show? Absolutely. You know, on a scale of, of zero to eight, I got to give it an eight. And eight, that's 100%. 100%. Very good. Yeah. Congratulations, Father Kevin Stockbridge. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we have been created in your divine image. Help us to see and appreciate all that you have in store for us. And help us to answer your call and fully live out our vocations so that we may dwell in your grace forever. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.